Welcome to Share to the Plot Scripture. I'm Jordan Shambly, joined by Wesley Wildman, and Abraham Hamilton is our guest today. We're going to talk about um, politics. We're going to be talking about the role of government. So don't cut it off. Don't, yeah, sure. Yeah, don't cut. I know you're like, oh, politics. I hear this all the time on AFR. I don't want to hear no. uh, Anyway, so we're going to talk about that. Why is this so difficult to talk about in the church uh, setting? And should it be and how should it be addressed? So, Abraham, why don't you just introduce yourself to our listeners real quick? Sure. Uh, Abraham Hamilton III here. Uh, I serve as the general counsel for the American Family Association. And I host a radio program Monday through Friday, uh, 5 to 6 p.m. Central, on the American Family Radio Network t- yeah. called The Hamilton Corner. Yeah. Well, that's great. And, that's a good introduction. Yeah, yeah. And uh, check you can check him out on, uh, on AFR as well. So, AFR.net. Um, yeah. You can go there. You'll find his podcast there. He's got a short commentary that's about a minute and a half or about a minute. And then he's also got an extended program that he airs daily on American Family Radio and also Urban Family Communications, Urban Family Talk. Yeah, so um, if you haven't been following this series, what we're doing is we're talking. We have five uh, subjects that are that have not been addressed um, correctly or to the degree that they should have, or been, at all, or at all <laughs> in, in <laughs> the culture <laughs> yeah. and it, it, and yeah. for Christians uh, specifically. Um, and I'll just go back mm-hmm. over there. So you've yeah. got uh, we discuss uh, secret sins, mm-hmm. secret sins, secret sins, just in general, generally speaking. Yeah. All right. Uh, having a secret sin and how mm-hmm. to handle it, how to deal with it, and how to mm-hmm. put that thing to death and give mm-hmm. it over to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, but also how it can infiltrate if you don't, if you let it go, mm-hmm. um, regardless of whether other people know about it, God knows about right. it. That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we talked about um, depression. We talked about suicide. Mm-hmm. We talked about um, homosexuality. Was last week. Um, those are the those are the four, and then government this week. And uh, this was inspired because uh, sitting in my church about a year ago, the mm-hmm. it gave us a heads up and said five things that were that you don't talk about in church, and we're going to talk about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was these five things, and I thought, yeah. man, it'd be neat to do a series on these mm-hmm. because um, I know in my conversations with my friends, yeah. millennials that are millennials. These topics are not discussed uh, publicly mm-hmm. uh, often, and often enough at least. And then, obviously, from the pulpit, we can look and give many examples on because they're not discussed why we are where mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. So uh, we want to do what we always do. We want to provide you the problem, and mm-hmm. we're going to give you the solution too. Mm-hmm. So, Jordan? Yeah, and so getting into this discussion on government and um but we have to understand that government's not something that we created. Man did not create government. God created government. It's an institution that He put in place in Genesis, really, mm-hmm. um, when there were when there was consequences for sin, when there was That's consequences right. for murder. Um, by, by man's blood, you will be shed. If you mm-hmm. shed man's blood, um, that was the institution of government. And so we have to understand that this is not something that is not important. It is important. Mm-hmm. It's not something right. that we can be neutral on as Christians. We have the God has a stance. On True. government, and, and um, in Romans thirteen, he tells Christians that you have to be submissive to the government, mm-hmm. the governing authorities. You can't just be a group of people out there who say, "Oh, no king but King Jesus," and completely disregard the human the, the institution yeah, yeah, of government. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have to understand that going in. So why don't we open up with why? Uh, in what ways has the church failed? to um, address the subject of politics and address the subject of being involved in the go- in government. Yeah, I think um, part of the, the, the reason why it's come to that place in mm-hmm. our modern times is 
uh, the whole creation of the 501c3 movement yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, okay. and the effort to mm. uh, to in a in a inaccurate way mm. uh, to apply the understanding of separation of church and state, yep. mm. which is quite frankly uh, a violation of our constitution as well as a mm. misunderstanding of what that word, what those that phrase actually means, mm. the context for it and all. I guess I'll do a little brief. No, yeah, good, that's that what we're here for. Yeah, yeah. Because people talk about that. Well, we're in America. We have separation of church and state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, <laughs> you know, and, but, but the, the fact is we do, but yeah. the way that it's used in contemporary times is mis- misunderstanding. So uh-huh. that phrase, those eight words actually were included. There were, there were eight words mm. in a dialogue between Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm. and, and a group of, of, of Baptist Christians in mm-hmm. Danbury, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. It began with the Danbury, Connecticut Baptist writing a letter to Thomas Jefferson in 1801 mm-hmm. following the ratification of the U.S. Constitution in 1788 saying that, I see this Constitution thing has been ratified, mm-hmm. but how would that impact us as right. a local group of Christians? And mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson responded mm-hmm. with an entire letter explaining that here in America, there's a separation of church and state that prohibits the state from invading into the parameters of the church and not vice versa. Mm-hmm. Quite the, the opposite. You, quite, you, the, the way you know that is that from the very instance of the creation of the federal government to where we stand today, you have chaplains in Congress. Mm-hmm. You yes. have consistent interplay between right. Christians or, and faith and right. government. Right. The purpose of that phraseology was to convey to the Danbury Christians mm-hmm. and as well as all Americans that the government has no lawful mm-hmm. authority to intrude mm-hmm. upon the province and the jurisdiction, if you will, mm-hmm. of the church. Wow. And when there is a very um, that what he just explained, Abe just mm-hmm. explained, goes into great details on a link that's on wall builders, and mm-hmm. we'll include that at the bottom yeah. in our show notes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's interesting with the historical context of that statement too um, is, is very important because you understand where they came from, um, mm-hmm. or their their fathers and grandfathers are, uh, came from in England. The, the Anglican Church, the Church of England, and before that, the Catholic Church, when mm-hmm. that was in power, yeah. was mm-hmm. so intrusive on um, on any other form of religion in that the area. Theocracy. Yeah, and yeah. whatever king, whatever religious faith that the monarch That's adhered right. to, that right. was a requirement of all the at the the constituency of the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. And that flies against flies in the face of the character of God mm-hmm. being coercive it, to uh, religion or yeah. right, Christianity. Yeah, in yeah. and, and understanding the context of that letter, prior to 1947, those eight words had never been quoted out of mm, context. Right. Yeah. Any, <laughs> any court case or anything, they would refer to the entire exchange between Jefferson sure. and the Danbury Baptists. But in mm. the efforts with you know secular humanists attempting to advance mm. their nefarious agenda, mm-hmm. uh, began to take those eight words out of context right. and made them mean something that they never were intended to mean. Mm. So a couple things we've established so far. Jordan, you pointed out very well that God established government all the way back in Genesis and reaffirmed in uh uh, Romans chapter 13 mm-hmm. and other places uh, we'll, we'll, I'll read from 2 Timothy yeah. chapter 2 in a little bit so reaffirm God established it and then uh, modern days the reason we get a lot of the misconceptions that we get is the misinterpretation of separation church state because I've had millennial friends that love Jesus mm-hmm. with a passion and they just get that one they got it wrong now mm-hmm. uh, I would I would encourage you to uh, uh, go read up we'll provide the link mm-hmm. at the bottom and understand exactly what Abe's talking about the purpose and the original intent of, of the of the phrase separation church and state because when I was able to articulate that with one of my friends I, he didn't say at the moment mm-hmm. that he's like okay I'm on I, I get it I'm on your side on that one mm-hmm. however you could see there there was a lot of confusion mm-hmm. uh, he, he was he was ignorant on that right and so being able to articulate that share that, I inspired him to go, you know, go read that himself. Mm-hmm. And you can make incre- incremental changes in people's worldview in their life if you're um, 
always prepared to give an answer. So right. go yeah. check that out. So wh- where are we going next? So yeah, um, so we, we've established those two points that, that the government is um, was established by God, but also that the separation of church and state misunderstanding that's become a myth in our mm-hmm. culture now. So moving to forward. To silence Christians. Yeah, to, silen- to silence Christians to keep them from being effective in the way God calls us to be sure. effective in our culture. Um, so going forward, so rec- reclaiming that lost ground is what we should be doing. Um, how do we do that in the context of a church? Because, um, and, I, and I would actually say that I do struggle with this question too, because it seems to me that when it, when a, a preacher goes up into the pulpit, his first priority 100% is to preach the gospel, okay. is to That's preach fair. the gospel. And um, so how does one go appropriately go about this subject in a church setting? Sure. Is there a, a pre- yeah. prescription for this? Uh, well, yeah, it's called the Bible. And I'll be more specific. Yeah, sure. I think one of the pl- ways we get into trouble, because anything, good things, mm-hmm. especially good things, we can make idols out of it. Yeah, sure. you know, we can make idols out of our children. Mm-hmm. We can make, make idols out of lots of things, mm-hmm. just like we can make idols out of politics. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the, the danger that is present is when politics is severed from the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you know Jesus's instructions were yes proclaim the gospel but also to make disciples mm-hmm. Acts 17 26 the Lord had determined before time the boundaries of our habitations Amen. and determine the times in which we would live so when we understand God's sovereignty his intent in making us placing us at the time that we live even in the nations mm-hmm. that we live we're all a product of God's sovereignty yeah. so when we consider that the Lord has mandated his disciples mm-hmm. to execute the Great Commission and we recognize what the Lord has given us the blessed privilege of being disciples of his in the nation of America well guess what we inherit a nation that is governed by the people for the people mm-hmm. at the will of the people mm-hmm. so it is the duty of the Christian to use everything at our disposal to advance the, everything at our disposal to advance the Great Commission mm-hmm. and in this particular instance it is because we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ we make take every opportunity to make an inroads where we can for the kingdom's sake and so I'll just give a couple of examples yeah. uh, because the constant re- uh, question I get is if our reco- if our mandate is to preach the gospel and make disciples well changing policies changing laws don't result in sure. changes in men's hearts and I've said well uh, Galatians 3 26 talks about the law being a schoolmaster mm. prior to somebody's heart being ready to receive full submission to Jesus Christ and being indwelled by the Spirit mm. of God. The law is a trainer of the heart, trainer of the conscience. And so I'll just give three quick examples yeah. uh, where I'll say the law does change hearts. It just is not as immediate as an encounter mm. and submission to Jesus Christ, but it does result in a change of hearts and minds of people over time. 1967, prior to uh, the Loving versus Virginia Supreme Court case, you'd be hard f- pressed to find people in America that felt like mm. multi-ethnic marriages were something that should be uh, pursued. Right. Right. Following 1967, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who would actually say out loud, I don't think people from different ethnicities right. should be married. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Changes in the law resulted in the change of the right. hearts, minds, right. consciousness, and behavior in America. Next example, 1973, Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. Prior to 1973, you wouldn't even get people that would be willing to be willing to even discuss Mm-hmm. killing babies before that mm-hmm. Supreme Court mm-hmm. case. Following it, we now live in a place where mm-hmm. a major political party talks about shouting mm-hmm. the right to kill mm-hmm. children. Wow. Yeah. And the moment, changes in the law resulted in the change of the national consciousness, hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. Lastly, Obergefell, sure. 2015, mm-hmm. same-sex marriage. Prior to Obergefell, there were 31 states that changed right. their state constitutions right. or their legislative statutes to reflect one man, one Overwhelmingly. woman. Overwhelmingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there were some states were up to 88. I'm getting chill bumped on that. It was yeah. up to 88 or 81% yeah. voted one man, one woman. Following Obergefell, we've been right past same-sex marriage. We're talking about transgenderism. Right. Changes in laws always result in the change of hearts mm. and Conscious. minds of people over time. Mm. 
Yeah. You know, uh, and I know, well, we've got 50 seconds left here, but uh, <laughs> to, 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 we're going to go to break and we're going to pick back up on okay. the second half. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. Then we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. afterwards. We're called to both preach mm-hmm. the gospel and live the gospel. And living the gospel is conveying mm-hmm. and living mm-hmm. out both, uh, whether it's in politics and culture and in, in entertainment, in the church and all aspects of life, we're called to be a light for Christ and to be an example for Him. Because we're here for a short time, it's a vapor. Mm-hmm. And we need to make the most use of it. And and in in those when you have that legal systems policies or whatever, they can be impediments sure. to that advance of the gospel. Amen. I mean, how how can you convey yeah. the reality of the gospel message of Christ and marriage when we have a culture that believes, well, you know, two men, two women can be married, mm-hmm. three women, two men. Mm-hmm. It, it it creates an impediment for the advancement. And of the I'll gospel. give an example from my trip in India when we get back. Yeah, sure. And so stay tuned for that. Follow us after the break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> 